Welcome to NL Full Time, live from our new booth here in the city centre of Manchester. I'm Luke Edwards and it's an FA Cup special this week. Alongside me, as always, is Rob Worrell. Hello, Rob. Hi, Luke. Yeah, we rested him last week. We've brought him back for the big FA Cup games this week, Rob. Refreshed and ready to go. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, I might have seen the goal with the most games. Or the game with the most goals, whatever. I don't know. I'm still upside down from you. <laughs> yeah, sounds like it as well. We've also got Dicky Watt and hello, Dicky. Good morning, Luke. Good morning, Rob. And because it's FA Cup weekend, we couldn't let this opportunity pass without bringing in Mr. FA Cup Fat File himself. It is Phil Annett. Hello, Phil. Hello, you all. How are you? How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. And uh, some interesting ties to pick over. Um, a few upsets in there. Rob, we'll, we'll come to you first. The, the main ones that really jump out are Kingstonian winning at Dartford. Steve King obviously just gone in there over the past week and he won't be happy with what he saw. No, not at all. Not at all. No, uh, uh, King, Kingstonian obviously from uh, a lower level. Uh, absolutely roared away in the first half goals from Hall, Theophanis and Kavanagh put them 3 uh, 0 up, and then Dartford began a bit of a, a fight back. A goal either side at half time, Hugh and McQueen, but they couldn't they couldn't get it done. They couldn't complete the cutback, and uh, it's a great scalp for Kingstonian. Obviously, uh, one of the more well known sides in non league, but nevertheless, uh, dispatching opposition from a higher level away from home. Well done, Kingstonian. Probably the biggest one, though, Rob, is Cashalton beating Dagenham. Now, I know Cashalton were at home, but Dagenham have been on a good run recently. And uh, Peter Taylor, he praised Cashalton after saying the tactics were spot on and they just couldn't break him down. And he's bemoaning a lack of quality now. Yeah, amazing story. Cashalton uh, beating Dagenham. Uh, Dagenham with one of the bigger budgets in the National League at uh, the FA Cup, just proving their budgets and form and everything else means nothing. Uh, a late winner from Ricky Corbera. An impressive stuff. Uh, from the home side because they've already beaten Bracknell, Harrow and Lowestoft all of the way from home and now they find themselves in the first round proper fantastic effort from Carshelton How many years yeah. made the first round? Yeah, it's uh, actually um, 22 years since they last appeared in the first round which is the, the, the longest uh, wait of all the teams that have made it through to the first round this year That's why we've got him on There we go <laughs> You come out with all your stats, Rob, but um, it blows you out of the water, doesn't it? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I'll get the plug in for him. If you haven't seen it yet, then uh, make sure you get yourself to uh, Phil's website, which is uh, fafacupfactfile.wordpress.com. And on Twitter as well, it's at uh, fafacupfactfile. That's correct, Phil, isn't it? It is, yes, yes. And you, you can uh, find me on Facebook at fafacupfactfile as well. The other tie as well, which... Uh, was a bit of a surprise. Dickie was Nantwich at home to Kings Lynn. Now, Nantwich are, are really strong at home, and but Kings Lynn are going well in the National League North. Of course, you've seen Nantwich already this year. They knocked out your beloved Telford, and uh, they've, they've taken another scalp, haven't they, from the National League North? Yes, they have, and they've taken a big one as well, Kings Lynn. Um, uh, you know, in those playoff places, have been going tremendously well. But, um, yeah, Nantwich did them yesterday 1-0. Uh, a goal from Troy Bourne, a defender, his first ever goal for the club, um, with his head as well, I think. So, you know, all these firsts adding up. It's not a first time in the first round for uh, Nantwich. I think it matches their best ever run. I've been looking at full stats this morning, of course, as you would. And, yeah, it's, it's, it's a terrific result for them. I think they've had three home ties so far. Uh, I think they knocked out Grand Thurma, so they came to Telford and beat us 3-0. Um, Well-deserved victory. Uh, knocked out fellow giant killers Morpeth around after that and then Kings Lynn's the biggest one of all um, 
and yeah, then they've got you know there's some really nice stories in there as well. I, ahead of that guy, the game with Telford, I spoke to um, Chris Malkin, the, the, the former Tranmere Millwall and Blackpool striker. His son Joseph plays number nine for Nantwich, hoping to make a name for himself in the game like his father. Yeah, Nantwich should say going well in the in the Northern Premier Division this season, and um, well, yeah, it was a case of the born identity yesterday in the end there for Nantwich. I missed that one. I missed that one. I'm, I'm a bit gutted about that. <laughs> Come on, Dickie. I thought it'd have been straight on that one. <laughs> you're the king of puns. You're you're the man we turn to when we want a title for the podcast. You normally come in with that one. Yeah, turn to stroke blame. I'm not sure quite sure. You know, I'm sure the listeners love their own view on that one. We'll come on to another couple of upsets in a minute, but another result that really stood out, Phil, was um, was the early kick-off, the one that was on the, the BBC Red Button, Potter's Bar versus Barnet. Now, it's a local derby, but there's uh, you'll tell me how many divisions apart they are, but it finished Potter's Bar 1, Barnet 1, and a bit of a surprise there. Uh, yeah, obviously, on, on paper, it's a, a surprise. Um, the two clubs are very local clubs, but have never actually met in the FA Cup before. Um, Barnet uh, went one up in front of... Uh, a sold-out crowd uh, on, on, in front of the live cameras on the BBC on their online coverage, um, and uh, you know it looked like a, perhaps maybe a routine win for Barnet, but in the 100th minute, uh, Potter's Bar fashioned an equaliser. Um, I think it was uh, Andy Lazomas' claim in the goal, although there's a bit of a debate about whether it was his goal or an own goal. But set off scenes at the crowd, in the crowd like we love from the FA Cup. Yeah, and, and if nothing else, Potter's Bar will be. They're probably they're going in as um, Barnet going in as huge favourites in the replay. But for Potter's Bar, what a what a great trip for them to go to the local rivals into a fantastic stadium like Barnet. Yes, it, it's going to be a big day for them. And, and obviously, last year Barnet were the ones doing the giant killing, so they're going to be very wary themselves about uh, being on the wrong end of a giant killing themselves. I don't think it's like a foregone conclusion as yet, but it should be quite an intriguing time. We normally just concentrate on the on the National League clubs in this competition, but because we've got you on, Phil, there was a couple of other upsets that caught your eye a bit further down wasn't there uh, yes there, there was indeed um, I mean history has been made in the, the FA Cup this weekend for a couple of clubs uh, first of all let's, let's cover off uh, Essex side Walden and Tiptree who, who won 3-1 at higher level uh, Royston Town um, it's their first time that they've made it into the first round of the FA Cup after that 3-1 victory then they're into the draw on Monday obviously and actually as, as a consequence of that win the draw will actually take place at their ground so they'll get a little bit of extra exposure on the BBC on Monday evening. Um, so an absolutely fantastic result for them. And just uh, as an aside on that, they are now the top scorers in the competition of all the clubs still competing in it. So they scored 18 goals, goals in total. Uh, so they are ahead of that list. Royston Town uh, had a good cup run as well. Uh, uh, it's been the best in their history. In fact, they've had 42 campaigns. So uh, to hit their best... FA Cup run after such a long time is a very commendable achievement for them. So, despite going out, they should feel very proud uh, about that result, uh, that run this year. As good as Morgan Titchley's uh, win was, uh, another team has matched uh, their achievement uh, and maybe just um, tweaked it in terms of a more impressive FA Cup run this year, and that's uh, Chichester City, who who won 2 1 at uh, Bowers and Pitsy, who play in a, a higher level league to them. This is a fantastic FA Cup run for Chichester City. I was there back at the beginning of August when they uh, played their extra preliminary round I think it's against Irish Town and um, they won through that game and we were talking then about how a good cup run would be fantastic for the club uh, neither of us really believing that they'd be still standing uh, by the first round 
Uh, it's the first time they've ever made it since 2000 when they merged uh, the original Chichester City Club merged with Portfield. And uh, they're the first club since Westfield, Westfields, sorry, in 2016-17 uh, to go all the way from the extra premier round through to the first round itself. Um, and they now become the, the lowest ranked club. And uh, with the FA Cup draw on Monday involving one team getting a bye, then there's a very big possibility that they could be find themselves in the second round as well. So that would be an amazing achievement. Bowers and Pitt see themselves had a fantastic FA Cup run this season. They've uh, set their best ever run to the fourth qualifying round. So again, they'll be disappointed about going out, but still can be very proud about having achieved uh, a best in their 16 campaigns to date. Yeah, you've answered uh, you've answered my question there, Phil. I was going to say when when Chappers is there with his silky bag of balls on BBC One on Monday night, who is the lowest ranked team left? But you've answered it for me. It's Chichester. Yes, indeed it is. Yes, yeah, they're, they're about eighth, I think, in the uh, southeast division of Richmond League, whereas Northern Tipton uh, are second in the in the northern division. The game you were at on Saturday, Phil, was Hazing Yedding versus Poole. Just tell us about that. Okay, uh, Hazing Yedding and Poole, uh, an interesting game. Both teams playing in the uh, I think Southern League Premier South division got off to. Uh, an interesting start when a Hayes and Yedding player was sent off within three to four minutes of the game. So they had to play a majority of the game with ten men. Um, you wouldn't have known it, though, from watching the game that um, Paul Town didn't really uh, assert their authority until actually late into the second half when they finally got breakthrough. Um, but it wasn't enough because uh, Hayes and Yedding managed to get a last-minute equaliser uh, to take the game to a replay on Tuesday night. They're called crowd for the ground, I believe, so showing the... Uh, the excitement and the FA, that the FA Cup can bring to the local community. Yes, yeah, a fairly new ground as well at Hazing Yedding, so it would to be it would have been good to see that pretty full as well, wouldn't it? Yeah, they got one big giant stand running the length of the pitch. Um, it, it was probably about seventy five percent full, and I think they're very pleased with the turnout. But uh, I think it'd be an interesting uh, tie down in Paul. Paul would be favoured slightly because they're high up in the table, um, but I think um, there was a little bit of handbags at the end of the game after the final whistle. And I don't know that that will make it a feisty affair on Tuesday night. Out of the other ties left, what do you want to look at next? Another team that are flying high at the top of their Step 3 division are Hensford, and they are Boston visit them, Dickie, and a tough tie for them, but the the visitors managed to get through in the end. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was potentially another tie where you might have, have seen an upset from a team from a lower division uh, knocking out one from above, but Boston came through. Uh, first time into the first round for them since 1997, I think I saw their secretary, Craig Singleton, uh, putting on Twitter last night, so uh, that will obviously please them and will please whoever looks after the finances at Boston as well, because obviously the, the prize money is not to be sneezed at. Um, I might have to give an apology for the pronunciation here. Um, goal from Andy Tanodge on 37 minutes, that was enough to see them go through. Um, yeah, nice goal from a free kick, I think they've spotted the highlights of that already. Um, and Boston have had three away ties to get this far and they've kept a clean sheet in each so obviously the FA Cup's a, a competition they're enjoying this season so far Phil just coming back to you I'm just reading uh, uh, about Gateshead yesterday they took on Colne and there's a really good piece by Phil Brennan in a non-league paper where he travelled up with Colne on the team bus and stayed over with them uh, Ultimately, uh, it, it, it ended in defeat by five goals to nil. Steve Cunningham said uh, he didn't think it was a 5-0 game, but uh, they've done really well this season, Colin, and they've taken some big scalps, haven't they, on the way? They have done extremely well this season. Um, quarter, fourth qualifying round is, is the furthest they've ever gone, furthest any team from Colin has ever gone in the FA Cup. It's only five or six years ago when they, they were being knocked out in the qualifying rounds of the FA Vars. So it does 
uh, show you how far they've come in quite a short time. Um, they've had 18 FA Cup campaigns already, uh, and this is by far and away their best campaign. Um, it was 5-0. I mean, I, I, don't, I didn't see the game, obviously, but um, it was that unfortunate to be a 5-0 score, apparently. Um, for, for Gateshead, can't ignore the fact that that's still a great result for them uh, to make it into the first round of the FA Cup for the third successive season, given what they've been through in the last uh, 12 uh, months or, or so. Uh, and that's uh, the joint highest victory uh, yeah, for Gates said it's going to be a, a massive boost as well. We know about their problems over the last couple of seasons. So for them to reach the first round will be a big boost for them. They've had to get through uh, two or three rounds as well, and they've had some tricky ties, but but they're through. So they'll see it as a they'll they'll fancy the chance in the first round, especially at home at that international stadium. I think if they get home tie in the next round, Gates said would be um, fairly optimistic of progressing. I think we said last week that they've kept five successive clean sheets at home so add another one to that yesterday six in a row and yeah they're making that international stadium a, a difficult place to go another game you pinpointed out is teams from the same division uh, met each other but it is a bit of an upset but it isn't so I haven't got beaten at home by Dulwich but it's more the fact of the league positions I think is, is what you saw it as a shock in a way yeah I mean I'd split mine from my own notes into shocks surprises thrillers and replays but um, <laughs> uh, we're on to a Prize here for sure, haven't at Waterlooville uh, riding high in the National League South and uh, I think most people thought they'd probably come through at home to Dulwich yesterday but they found themselves uh, a couple of goals down early on, uh, rather than pulled one back but uh, Smith and Barnes sounds like a building firm, like Smith and Barnes <laughs> for uh, Dulwich had the goals for Dulwich Hamlet and uh, full credit to Phil on this one but it did, uh, I did notice on his uh, website that uh, for Dulwich Hamlet, first time in 21 years through uh, to the um, FA Cup first round proper, but uh, by, no, by no means the only time, Phil, is it? They've been there quite some many times. That's uh, yes, uh, and and Dorich Hamlet are uh, uh, always uh, a little bit miffed when I keep mentioning this statistic to them, and they have a fantastic chance now to to get rid of it. But they have well, this will be their fifteenth appearance in the FA Cup first round, and uh, in the previous fourteen times they were unable to progress to the second round and they actually hold the record for the club with the most first round appearances having never gone any further in the competition so this will be a big uh, opportunity for them to, to to make it for the first time in 15 attempts and the irony would be if they did get the, the bye that would be quite quite funny conflict <laughs> 14 unable to get through and then suddenly just get given a free ticket to the second round yeah, we'll, we'll chat more about the the buy and, and, and why t- a team may get a buy later on in the podcast. But, Rob, another tie that uh, caught my eye was made in head against Wheelstone. Wheelstone, I saw in the last round, draw 0-0 at Bristol Manor Farm. As I said last week, they did win the replay by four goals to nil. And they were close to going to Maidenhead and knocking them out. It needed a goal late on from Ryan Upward, didn't it, to, to rescue that game for them? Yeah, Ross Weymouth the lead and they dared to 
victory, but two goals in the final 10 minutes from Jai Reason and uh, Anthony Jeffrey saw Dover home and uh, they definitely uh, avoided themselves a, a banana skin there and uh, uh, gave themselves uh, a midweek off as well. I know, I know you've written your notes uh, down uh, regarding sort of replays, but Wheelstone, they'll fancy a chance at home against Maidenhead. Yeah, 100% they will. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just um, at the moment, we'll come on to sort of the replays and stuff in a bit, but uh, there's, there's, there's some decent ones there, um, well worthy of uh, consideration for us us boys trying to get to if, if, if we can, you know, sort of location-wise. We'll speak to Phil in a minute about where he's off to. Sure, he'll be taken in a replay. Um, another one that will go to a replay, just to bring that in, Ebbsfleet and Woking. And uh, it's an absolute horror story for Woking. Uh, their games against Ebbsfleet, their history against Websley. Um, at Gavin Dennison on Twitter, if you look at that, my BBC uh, commentary colleague, he put some stats out about how awful Woking's history against Ebbsfleet was. And for a long, long time, yes, if you look as if they'd succumb to Ebbsfleet again, but a 90th minute penalty for a match Kretschmark ensures that uh, Woking will get a replay at home to Edfleet and and they'll of course be be quite uh, hopeful that uh, they can come through in the replay So Chris can't be with us this week but he did go to York versus Stockport County did the report there for the non-league paper and it was live on BT Sport as well so here's his reaction to that and four other ties on top of that. And this week my roundup comes from, well, straight from Bootham Crescent, where York City beat a Stockport County side who struggled to really hit the target enough and they beat them 2-0. Goals from Alex Kempster and Sean Newton. It was a fairly even first half, but there was a controversial penalty decision when the ball looked to have struck the hand of a York defender. That potentially changed the game and York went on to score their two goals. Both goals from the edge of the area. Alex Kempster, it was kind of a cross-come shot that ended up nestling in the bottom corner. Sean Newton, one I was absolutely directly behind and I saw it fly into the roof of the net as it took a little deflection on the way. Stockport County did this to lots of teams last season. I remember they beat Yeovil 3-1 last season when they were buzzing. York City is certainly a place that is buzzing at the moment as they look to get back into the National League with their new stadium for next season. Man of the match, someone I've mentioned before on the podcast, Alex Kempster was ab- absolutely fantastic. Absolute handful as well. Up front with Dan Maguire, who particularly in the early stages was was really, really good for York City. Next game, Barrow nil, Solihull 1. Liam Daly's second half winner made the long journey for the 26 Solihull Moors fans worthwhile. It reversed the 3-0 home win in the league last month for Barrow. Daly requested a transfer last month from Solihull Moors, but his second half goal and his movement during the game were fantastic by all accounts. Ian Everett signed an improved deal in the week after interest from Fylde, and he'll be a bit gutted with the outcome of today's match. Hartlepool 1, Brackley 0, Ryan Donaldson's second half strike did it for United in this game. Ben Killett was man of the match and the caretaker manager Anthony Sweeney did agree that they found a way to win and he was very uh, complimentary of the of a Brackley side that we all know are really difficult to beat but they can also score goals as well. That's a good result there for Hartlepool. They definitely wouldn't have wanted a re- 
replay in that game. Talking of a replay, that's what's going to happen uh, to Chesterfield and Wrexham. They'll have to do it again on Tuesday night as Bobby Grant equalised for Wrexham in the second half. He equalised Mike Fondups, who scored his eighth goal for Chesterfield. The game came four days after Chesterfield's away win at Wrexham. Wrexham were much better on this occasion. Yorkshire Derby in the FA Cup at the Shea Stadium. Harrogate ended up winning it 2-1 with the evergreen Mark Beck helped himself to a brace. This was one of the National League's form teams against the top team as they beat uh, Harrogate being the form team. Halifax being top of the league. Um, Halifax, of course, managed by Pete Wilde who who managed Oldham to uh, a good run in the FA Cup last season. But they won't be going any further and it'll be Harrogate going into the hat for the next round. And that was Chris. Just quickly, Phil, it's great that the, um, the TV companies are taking note of the earlier rounds because if you were an alien and came down, a lot of people would just think, oh, the FA Cup starts at the first round, but people forget it goes all the way back to like the preliminary round and the extra preliminary round. And BBC do a good job in, in terms of red, on their red button of covering that. And, and obviously BT Sport have got in on the act and, and covered a fourth qualifying round game. Uh, yes, it is, it is great news that the, uh, that the preliminary rounds and the qualifying rounds are getting more coverage. But I don't think you need to be an alien to think it starts in the third round or the first round because I think that's quite a common perception across a wide variety of the football world. Um, the BBC have done a great job in recent times of this uh, coverage from the extra premier round onwards. They've done it for the last three seasons. And, and BT do do give it coverage and have, have historically shown a fourth qualifying round tie. And uh, you know, they, 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 they don't give it lip service, but it's still, once we get to the first round and the third round, it's almost forgotten that these matches actually happen. And if you watch the third round coverage, you, you don't see that continuity linkage between what's gone on between August and November and what then goes on from, the, from January onwards. So I think they've done a great job and they do do a great job, but I think they could do a lot more to help, uh, help people aware of, of the hundreds and thousands of people that are involved in the FA Cup. Uh, from August uh, another tie between National League and National League North was Charlie against Spennymore and this was a, a game you went to last year, Dicky, the playoff final. Spennymore couldn't get revenge unfortunately, could they in this game? No, they couldn't. Um, I know Spennymore were very, were very um, fans certainly were, were very up for taking some revenge on Charlie for that playoff final defeat. Uh, at the end of last season but they weren't able to achieve it so it's, it's disappointment for Spennymore again I think only reached the first round stage once and, and that's how it is but, but Chorley's recent record they're into the first round for I think the third year in a row and bearing in mind they've been a National League North side for two of those years um, that's really good for them Jamie Vermiglio um, spoke afterwards um, said it, it, it's obviously brilliant for the, for the team but also uh, mindful of the effect on the finances, he said. Obviously, the board will be enjoying the run. He was eyeing you know, the opportunity of perhaps getting a game against somebody like Bolton Wanderers because of the, you know, the, the draw that would be in terms of the crowd and in terms of television as well. It took a first half penalty from Chris Holroyd to put them into the lead, and then Alex Newby sealed it with a, a free kick in the second half. Also, just touching on their league form as well, that's a fifth clean sheet in a row for Chorley as well. We spoke about that again recently. And they're, they're getting that solidity back that they had last season, but can they take that into the league? Good solid base for them to build on there. Before I come back to you, Phil, just a couple of other ties, Rob. I know you've got filed under your replays there. And, and intre- interesting ones as well, and ones which are the National League South teams will fancy themselves in. that Sutton against Billericke, they drew 1-1. And then Willing against Eastleigh, that was 0-0. And... Um, 
both sides will fan- both National League South sides will fancy themselves in that replay, won't they? They will, and uh, there's a very, very key, important bit of information from one of those games that we need to touch on. I don't know if you spotted it, mm. but Sutton against Villaricky. Sutton uh, were in the lead for much of the game, thanks to an Omar Bugale goal. But in the 92nd minute, Alan Julian, the Villaricky goalkeeper, got Villaricky and the uh, uh, an equaliser. I haven't managed to to dig out any footage of that goal yet. I hope to see it at some point. But I absolutely love it. How many times to see a goalkeeper come up late on and you always want it to happen and it very, very rarely does. But well done, Alan Julian, for uh, for notching for Villaricky at the right end and uh, earning them a replay in the second round. And that'll be it. That's another one I'm tempted to uh, to go along to uh, on Tuesday. See if that's what it's being played. Well, and against Eastleigh, Rob, as well. 0-0 uh, there. Yeah, I think you could. I think you summed it up. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, no, I, I, wouldn't, I, wouldn't add, I wouldn't add any more in about that one, unless you've got something to fill in. Well, I haven't really more to say about that particular tie, but all, all the replays are on Tuesday evening, apart from the game between uh, Stanbridge and Whitby Town, which will be taking place on Monday evening. Yeah, interesting game that, Phil, isn't it? Both teams at step three, uh, both sides going well this year in their respective divisions. They are, yes. It's good, it's good to, I guess, to have another step three team guaranteed to be in the uh, first round proper. Uh, they shared uh, one goal apiece. Whitby Town doing very well in the cup for, for the first time in a while. Uh, they're, they're the 10th best scorers in the competition at the moment. Starbridge, they've got quite a good recent um, FA Cup record. Went all the way to the third round uh, a few years ago. And uh, I think they've they hold the record of most wins in the last 10 years, uh, so uh, they'll be fancying their chances hosting uh, Whitby Town on, on Monday night. By the way, if Whitby get through that and you're a National League side or National League North side or South side and you're getting away tight, Whitby, 100% go because it's a, a great little place to go. The chips, fishing chips are amazing and it's a nice little ground as well. That's, uh, that's my travel tip done for this week. <laughs> um, that's Luke Edwards of the Whitby Tourist Board. Right. Yeah, I want I want commission from the from the Whitby Tourist Board for that now. There's two step four sides visiting National League sides on Saturday. Uh, it was filed against Peterborough Sports, and the other one was Notts County against Belper and Nottingham, Nottinghamshire versus Derbyshire. Uh, Derby, if you like, a bit of a, a grudge match there between the two counties. And, and Belper ran Notts County really close. It needed a, a late goal from Kyle Wotton to see Notts County through to the first round. Well, that's right, yes. Uh, um, Belper Town took uh, almost 1,700 uh, fans to, to Notts County's ground. And uh, Danny Gordon scored a stream of a goal in the first half that gave them all belief that they were going to cause the upset of all upsets in the round. I mean, if you look at Notts County, they, they, they haven't played in the qualifying round since the 1988-89 season and had always in their 133 campaigns had always appeared in the proper rounds and Belper Town they've never been further than the fourth qualifying round so had uh, the biggest upset of it all but as you said uh, County turned it around uh, ended up winning 2-1 um, to, to a large relief I would imagine from, from their contingent um, Belper themselves now they, they, that's the fifth time they've been knocked out at this last stage before appearing in the first round a bit unfortunate really um, that's the second joint highest number of appearances in this round never to actually appear in the first round proper but, uh, they'll, but they'll take half on that and maybe they'll come back next year 
Yeah, Fylde, as, as you heard Chris mention earlier on, they were, they approached Ian Everett as their manager this week. He's turning down a signed a new deal at Barrow. Uh, John Hills took caretaker charge yesterday of the game at Peterborough Sports and against Peterborough Sports, and it was a, a comfortable win for them in the end. It was a comfortable win for them. Peterborough Sports actually uh, are step three side, and they actually started in the preliminary rounds um, uh, of the competition, and they do have a good record against higher league teams in recent years. Uh, but this uh, 6-1 victory for AFC Files is probably a, a correct reflection of the result, I think. It's a joint highest margin of victory, and we saw, I think we saw the only hat-trick of the round, unless someone else has seen one, by, by Danny Rowe for Fylde. Um And that, that 6-1 defeat is uh, Peterborough Sports' heaviest defeat uh, in the FA Cup. And uh, uh, another intriguing thing for that, that, that is, that's their best run ever uh, in, in what is their, only their ninth campaign, but their... It was actually the centenary of their first ever campaign back in 1919-20. So they're not, they haven't been frequent visitors to the FA Cup, but in recent times they've, uh, they've been going from year after year, going progressively further in the competition. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, just a quick one on that, Rob. I mean, we, we talk about uh, is the FA Cup a, discra- a distraction, but for someone like Fylde and for Danny Rowe, they probably needed that game yesterday, didn't they? A chance for him to get his hat-trick and, and get a win on the board. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I would imagine that the decision the board took at Fylde last week was very much with uh, the time scales in mind. They kind of bought themselves a two-week gap in terms of the National League, where they're in a bit of trouble at the moment. Um, and that was a good game for, the, uh, for the, the guy you just mentioned to take care, take a charge. And if he never manages them again, what a record he's going to have in management. Danny Rowe, of course, that would be a big relief to him and a big relief to, to everybody at file that he's uh, backfiring again. And uh, for you boys in our group that have got him in the National League top scorers competition, don't get too excited. It's the FA Cup. We won't be counting those guys. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> Rob, a couple of other uh, couple of other ties for you to look at. Oxford City uh, against Margate, a, a good win there for Oxford City. I haven't been on a, the best run either. And Torquay against Boreham Wood. Yeah, um, Oxford City got a couple of first half goals just to steer their way through to the next round. Uh, if I remember correctly, they were struggling in the league last year until they got a bit of an, uh, an FA Cup run going. And, uh, um, that kind of actually manif- that, that transferred itself, didn't it, to their league form when they finished. Well, the second half of the season was an awful lot stronger. Um, yeah, and uh, that Torquay and Boreham game, well, it looks like a thriller on paper, but it wasn't really. It was just a good job well done by Torquay. They were always well ahead in that one, and Boreham only got their second goal uh, with uh, a penalty uh, late on. So, uh, an own goal, sorry, late on. Tyrone Marsh had, had got the back in it with a penalty a bit earlier, but Andrews Reed and Whitfield on target for Torquay. That looked like a bit of a thriller and probably wasn't. One that looked like a thriller and most definitely was, was the game that I was at when the ball was in the net, boys, nine times. Both sides had a goal disallowed and ultimately uh, Neil Smith's Bromley came through 4-3 against uh, my team, Aldershot Town. To be fair to Bromley, they should have been out of sight. Uh, They were always ahead uh, and both sides continually shot themselves in the foot in that one. It was a bit of a thriller. Before the game, I spoke to Bromley fan James Hurd, who, amongst other things, told me just how good Bromley were defensively. So I'm here on FA Cup fourth qualifying round day with James Hurd, who's uh, a young Bromley supporter. Not that young. He's uh, actually studying history at the moment in his second year. And uh, that's where we'll start, I think, at Bromley. History, uh, uh, James, history <laughs> would be 
against Bromley today, but history means nothing on the day, does it? No, definitely not. I mean, already played you once this season, uh, 1-0 win for Bromley. Um, but despite that, I thought you played very well. But I suppose all shot are very much a bogey team for Bromley because that 1-0 win, as far as I'm concerned, was the only time uh, we've beaten you. So uh, it should be it should be an even game, should be an interesting one, and uh, should be very competitive. And it'd be interesting to see who gets into the uh, into the first round. Um, it's been an enjoyable season so far, hasn't it, at Bromley? We talked off air about this after three successive upper mid table finishes. Neil Smith recruited really well in the summer, and 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 the Ravens are having a right tilt at it this year. Yeah, no, it's been a great great start to the season. I think we're about a third of the way through now. We've only lost three games. Um, I think the what we did differently this season to our first few seasons in this league was we recruited really early. Um, I think Neil Smith, our manager, sat down at the beginning of the season, got identified the players he wanted to sign early, got in there early, did his business, um, and he's got a team that he thinks is is certainly capable of uh, challenging for the playoffs positions. Goals in the side with Michael Cheap and Rico uh, Hackett Fairchild, but um, some interesting uh, players in midfield as well. We're talking about um, Alfie Doughty, I think, uh, on loan from Charlton, and Josh Reese back at the club. What a signing that is! Yeah, it's, it's great to have Josh back. I mean, uh, two years ago he got about 20 odd goals from from midfield for us. Um, he's come back. He's not he's not the same player he was uh, when we had him initially. Uh, he didn't get a good run out at Gillingham last year. Um, if he starts today, it'd be good for him. good for his confidence. Perhaps get a goal and maybe start a run of uh, goal scoring. Finally, a word about the defence. You've said uh, the side are making less mistakes, conceding less goals this year, but you've had to shuffle the pack in goal. Ryan Hudder has only been in for what one, two games so far. Any early thoughts on that? Yeah, he's done well since he's come in, Ryan. Um, obviously, losing Mark Cousins was a big blow. Uh, at Yeovil in the second minute having to put Chris Bush in goal our centre half that wasn't ideal but Ryan's done well he's um, he's 6 foot 6 he's uh, ex-Arsenal um, done well at Bournemouth now he's come here and yeah he's, he's he's had some big boots to fill Was Mark Cousins was excellent um, in our first few games but he's, he's doing alright and uh, yeah well brilliant uh, thank you so much for joining us and enjoy this season whatever happens today yeah thank you very much cheers that was uh, Robbie fans Jay heard well he said they'd won every game they had won by one goal and they did yet again but I don't think he me or anybody at Hayes Lane were expecting it to be a 4-3 filler um, a 4-3 thriller least of all the Bromley manager Neil Smith who I caught up with afterwards I've been joined by, uh, I would imagine somewhere, amongst other words, a relieved Neil Smith, Bromley manager. I don't know where to start, Neil. Um, we've had an absolute thriller. The crowd have gone over entertaining. Your side's through to the next round, but a uh, few heart attacks along the way. Yeah, I've, I've just said to the boys, you know, the, the whole objective today was to get into the hat Monday. Mm. We've, we've achieved it, but I've also said, you know, you can't carry on like that. You can't score as many goals like that at home and still be hanging on at the end of it, you know. Uh, we had a goal disallowed and then we've had another one-on-one which we should have done better on but um, mm. I thought first half was I was really pleased second half just got scrappy lost our shape a little bit but um, you know we're, we're through but yeah I can't do many more games like that 
I guess from you, I mean, there's no doubt this side, you, your side's shown defensively, been really, really strong, and, and, and you've won a lot of games by one goal. Good habits. You've ended up doing the same thing, but I don't think that's the way you'd have dreamt it last night. No, 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 no. As I said, I'd have taken a 1 0 scrappy game. In the end, it's a 4 3 thriller to the supporters, not to me, but um, it was a nightmare in uh, some sense. But we played some really good stuff, and that's the frustrating thing. We did some really good stuff and really bad stuff, and it's. You know, I'm in there. I'm in there with mixed emotions because it was great. We're through, and you know, mm. the, month, the club that earns a bit of money out of it, and that's what we thrive on. Mm. And on the same side, you know, like we've got Halifax next week, and you can't play like that against a team that are sitting top of the league. So, mm. mixed emotions. We'll reflect on it on uh, Monday and Tuesday, and then hopefully uh, put everything right that we need to. I think at least three occasions in the game you, you either got or restored a two-goal advantage and, and, and I know you're a manager that always wants more out of your team. You must have been thinking at times, particularly in the first half, we could go on and get a real big one here if we just do this right. Just, what, I'm one of them. I've gone in there and I've just said, what's got you to the stage where you're 3-1 up? Mm. Why change it? Yeah. Why change it? Why go off script? Why, why change what, you, what you're doing well? I know the opposition will all, all obviously stop you from doing that, but I think we were stopping ourselves. I think, you know, what got us where we were, free kicks, it was direct attacking football. And then we overplay, you get caught in possession, then players aren't tracking back. Mm. And for me, that's the cardinal sin. I, I don't care how quality of a player you are, the hard work comes first. And I think in the end it became, do I have to? Mm. Yes, you do. Once you do that, then you can do all the niceties. You do the hard stuff first. Mm. You, you, if you're better than the opposition, more often than not, you will win the game. I think in the second half, the opposition, all the shot today, were a little bit better at it at times than us. Congratulations on reaching sort of a third of the season in a lofty position, second place. I know you've won nothing yet, but it's a great start. There's a lot of big clubs with big budgets and big expectations well down that table. And next week you'll take on Halifax and nobody would have picked those you two sides as the top two at this stage, would they? And, and I certainly wouldn't. You know, we were hoping to be mid-table plus, you know, in and around the playoffs. To be where we are is absolutely outstanding. And that's, that's down to the boys' work ethic. And that's why I can't have a go at them too much because where they are has all come down to the hard work. Is it going to stay like that? Probably not. But while we're up there, you know, we'll, we'll give it a, the best shot we've got to stay in and around it. You know, no one could foresee Bromley, you know, a little club like us mm. uh, competing up the top end. You know, our budget is, isn't one of the biggest. There mm. are massive clubs in that division and we'll keep fighting while we're there. You know, I'd rather be there than the other end. So, you mm. know, while we're there, we'll take it. Final thought, back to the FA Cup. There's an old cliche in football, you want a home tie in the next round. You don't, do you? You want to be the last ball I want to be out. the last ball, <laughs> and I will jump for joy, and I no doubt the chairman will phone me up straight away. But knowing our luck, we'll be the first one out, away from home somewhere where you don't want to go. But you know, Away, we're, from, we're, home, away from home, top of League One, probably. I'll take Sunderland away. <laughs> Cheers, Neil. <laughs> that was Bromley manager Neil Smith, and it was unfortunate, really, that... Two National League sides met in that competition. All the shot probably desperately wanted an FA Cup run, and he probably got one of the worst ties uh, that they could have got, couldn't they, in the end? Yeah, they got a bit of a history of it, actually. When, when all the shot have been in the first round uh, proper of the FA Cup, they, the amount of times that they've drawn away from home to sort of top of League One or whatever, and it's a similar sort of thing here. But no, they... They, they should have been more than equipped to, to, to cope with a tie against Bromley. I think it was always going to be quite close. It proved to be in the end. Both sides would have had better days defensively, but a couple of players got their first goals for shots yesterday, and uh, they'll have to do the old chestnut. You can tick it off on your uh, FA Cup bingo. Concentrate on the league.
from now on. Dickie, just a couple of other ties to look at as well. Um, Tamworth against Darlington, uh, another step three side at home against the National League North side, and Southport against Altrincham, and both were comfortable wins in the end. Yeah, they were. Um, Tamworth against Darlington, uh, the first one you mentioned there, I think um, it's the first time into the first round for what I would call the, the new Darlington, um, which it actually raised an interesting question for me, one for Phil maybe, about when clubs do, as Darlington do, and reform, you know, do, do you treat them as a, a brand new club in terms of your records, things like that? Or, or? Well, you can put a more complex uh, example, really. It's, it's so difficult to get accuracy on this. If you go further back in time, it's usually more difficult, but the Darlington situation is a very difficult one. I, I personally think they're two separate teams, but you talk to anyone who supports Darlington and they say, no, we're the same team. Uh, and they, they, even though they were forced to drop a few divisions and rename, um, because they, I think they took on the debts of the old club um, when they continued, the fans believe that meant the club is a continuation. Uh, whereas the fact, the mere fact that they had to start again at two or three divisions lower, had to have a name change, suggests that they were a brand new club. So um, I, I, I don't know what the answer is on time. Mm, yeah, there's no. There's no hard and fast rule that you can apply there, is there, in terms of, you know... The, 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 the only rule I have, if, if a team has to change their name and, and adopt more than two divisions, then that suggests that they're starting again. Uh, if a team uh, drops two divisions or just one division, keeps the same name, that, that suggests it's the club continuing on. But uh, obviously, they didn't, they, probably because they didn't finish the, the season they were in, they would then be uh, classed as a, as a, a continuation uh, but having to start two divisions lower and we've seen that a lot in non-league uh, where teams you know, sort of start again but they've only gone down two divisions and kept the same name Yeah, it, it, well, this time I brought that up mainly because of thinking about Darlington's record um, and you know, we talk about them being in the first round for the first time since 2011 and are they the same club? Well, I remember my team, Telford United they've been through the same thing are they the same club necessarily? And then the two actually played one another in the in the fourth round of the FA Cup, not the fourth qualifying round, but the fourth yeah. round proper in 1985. You know, so again, it's just that question of is it the this the Well, you know, it's hard to tell, isn't it? Um, coming back to yesterday's game, anyway, we'll, we'll talk about the current day Darlington. They they made progress. They got through three 0 um, a goal up through Tyrone O'Neill on nine minutes. Uh, Tamworth had a penalty saved after half an hour. Uh, Liam Connell, Darlington's new goalkeeper. And there's some interesting photographs of him uh, wearing a borrowed cap from somebody in the crowd as well. Obviously, the low sun in October causing him some problems. Um, Omar Holmes made it 2-0 for half-time. O'Neill added a third in the second half. And manager Alan Armstrong declared himself delighted, said we could have scored a few more. It was hard work, Tamworth played well, um, but you know, we did what we had to do, we, we, we made ourselves hard to beat and then we were clinical in front of goal. Final tie for me is the Southport Altrincham one, that was the all-National League North tie and as Phil will know, both of these teams have excellent FA Cup records, you know, Altrincham were renowned giant killers in the 1980s. Southport, former league club of course at one point and they've certainly reached at least the third round in recent seasons as well. So, you know, they've both been there, they both knew what was at stake. Jordan Hume put Altrincham in front just before the interval. Tom Piers got a second goal for Altrincham on 51 minutes. And then Hume got a third to put them out of sight at 3-0 on the hour. Uh, Zane Mohammed got a goal back for Southport just before the end of the game. But ultimately it wasn't enough. Um, I couldn't get any reaction from 
uh, Altringham manager Phil Parkinson, although it's an interesting one for him because he came from Nantwich and could potentially face them in the first round of the FA Cup with them having gone through two. Um, Liam Watson, on the other hand, for Southport, uh, was fairly blunt, said we got what we deserved, um, we didn't give ourselves a chance, and also stressed this thing about the finances, he's actually a board member at Southport as well, and said, you know, when you, you know of the impact on the finances this have, and, and said that this defeat hurts, it should hurt, but, but did question whether some of the players in his side actually felt it hurt enough, so um, yeah, there might be a little bit of a, one or two places in the Southport team under the threat by the sound of things there. Yeah, a bit of a bum yeah. kicking from uh, Liam Watson there. No, no, I was going to say, I wouldn't like to be on the end of one of those. Liam's always a, a very obliging fellow, but I'm sure when uh, when he's angry, you know about it. <laughs> the one other tie that we need to cover off, unfortunately, had a bit of an unsavoury end. It was Harrogate Borough nil, Yeovil Town 1. Rhys Murphy had given Yeovil Town the lead on 61 minutes with a penalty but that wasn't the story there was alleged racist abuse aimed at goalkeeper Valerie Douglas Pajate in the Harrogate Borough goal as well as Harringay's Kobe Rowe and that led to Harringay Borough manager Tom Lizzie taking his team off the pitch and in solidarity Darren Sile did the same with his Yeovil Town team and, and that Tom Lizzie said if we get punished and thrown out I don't really care but he did he did praise Darren Sile and said that the Yeovil player manager were different class their team tried to calm their supporters down they tried their best and they supported us they said if you're walking off we're walking off with you and he said I, don't, I took the decision to take my team off and I don't want Yeovil Town to get punished for it if we get thrown out of the FA Cup and they go through there is no hard feelings there and I know Darren Sal said a similar thing and also the Yeovil Town Twitter basically said in solidarity with their friends at Harringay Borough now again must stress that these are only allegations the police and the FA are looking into it and we covered the racism in at Hartlepool the other week so we're not going to go into it into too much more detail but obviously we've seen everything that happened with the England match during the week as well and Harry Gayborough have decided to take a stand and the final two ties that we're going to cover are Maidstone against Kings Langley and Whiteleaf versus Chippenham and the National League South sides both prevailed in that one didn't they Phil? They did indeed they came through what on paper looked like could be tricky ties Maidstone United were hosting uh, Kings Langley from uh, a set below uh, they, they won through quite comfortably in the end uh, with a 4-1 victory. It's the uh, sixth successive time that Maidstone United have made it through to the first round. And given that they've been up and down the, the, the period in that time, that's quite an impressive bit of consistency. Uh, for Kings Langley, uh, it means a defeat, but they, again, they've set their best ever FA Cup run in what is their 10th campaign. So once again, they can... Uh, tinge of disappointment for going out but uh, be proud of the performance that they had in this year's cover over at, uh, at Whiteleaf hosting uh, Chipman Town with a two league uh, gap between the two sides I'd, uh, I'd seen Whiteleaf beat uh, Abbey Rangers in the previous round and they, they won through that very comfortably but it wasn't to be for them this season as Chipman Town ran out 3-0 winners um, it was the second best ever cut line for Whiteleaf um, but for Chipman Town surprisingly it equals their their best ever uh, cut run making it through to the first round it's the third time that they've got this far and they've been in the competition 105 times uh, however it's 14 years since they did last make it here but they've got a chance of creating new history for their club one question I was in, in, intrigued in asking Phil was um, obviously uh, the Berry situation because the one team's going to get a bye, aren't they, into this first round? Everyone will be 
uh, praying that it's them. I mean, the first question is obviously, I presume they get the prize money for getting through that first round and then they get to the second round. And also just going back to reforming of clubs, I presume if Bury are reformed as a Phoenix club, will their FA Cup records be scrubbed in your eyes again or will it be as, as a will it be classed as a new team or will it still be classed as the Berry FC FA Cup record uh, well first and foremost it, it, it's, it, it's good to see the FA are, are taking the approach of giving the team a bye um, in this round they, they could have gone down the route of the, the uh, lucky loser that they did back in 2000 when Manchester United yeah. uh, were forced to not take part um, but uh, they've seen sense although they've left it a little bit late I I, I might have liked to have seen them give two teams in the fourth qualifying round a bye uh, to make up the numbers in the first round. But they've gone the route they have. And yes, the team that gets pulled out the hat last will get through to the second round automatically and they will get the £36,000 prize money for doing so. Wow. Uh, which is, a, I think, that's a departure from what was happening in the past. I think the last time we had a bye at this stage was, was Maidstone United when they, when they um, folded in 1992. I think Swansea City were the beneficiaries So despite it being FA Cup fourth qualifying round, there were some league fixtures in the National League North and South on Saturday. In total, four fixtures took place. The uh, The most intriguing one was uh, at Alfreton, wasn't it, Dickie? Yes, it was. And um, Farsley Celtic uh, got a terrific result there. A fifth league win in a row for Adam Lakeland's side and they've moved up into third place in the division, winning 4-2. Uh, Alfreton. I'm not sure that was necessarily a score many people would have uh, put money on beforehand. Um, and yeah, Alfreton even got the perfect start. They were ahead in the first minute. Niall Blake, I think he started in place of a suspended Amari Morgan-Smith. So they, a goal up after a minute, but then uh, the, the curse of the former player, Tom Allen, who is on loan to Farsley from York for, I think, a second spell this season. He's a former Alfreton player. He had his Celtic level on 17 minutes. Then from a corner I think not long after Allen involved again but a goal for Jimmy Spencer which Celtic 2-1 up um, and then Spencer scored again just after the half hour to make it 3-1 so 3-1 at half time Connor Branson got a goal back quite early in the in the half for Alfreton so you think game on there um, but then a mistake from Charlie Andrew in goal handed Dave Sires a fourth goal for uh, Farsley on 66 minutes and, and that was how it finished Adam Lakeland thr- obviously thrilled with the results said that you know obviously we didn't get off to a great start um, said that he felt some of the refereeing decisions affected his side's concentration early on but said once they got level felt they were outstanding 
um, and a massive three points for them. And uh, just in, in terms of Alfreton as well, a fourth loss in six matches for them as well. So uh, you know they've started the season really well, but but a little wobble there for uh, for Billy Heath's team at the moment. We heard about York being in FA Cup action and and beating Stockport County. So Chester had the chance to go top up at Blythe, uh, but. All the, it was a 2-2 draw in the end, all the goals in the first half. Yes, absolutely. Um, it, I mean, this was a fixture last season that produced a freakish score. It was Blythe 8, Chester 1. Now, but based on the respective starts both sides have had, I don't think anybody was expecting anything like that. Um, but, but it was still an intriguing game. As you say, all the scoring in the first half. Uh, Danny Elliott put Chester in front. Michael Sweet equalised fairly soon afterwards. Blythe then went ahead through Adam Wrightson before Matty Hughes levelled it five minutes before half-time. Uh, stayed 2-2 through to the end of the, the game from there on, but both sides hit the post in the second half. Craig Marn for Chester, Lewis Hawkins for Blythe. And that's a third undefeated game for Blythe now. Uh, in, interesting thing about the, the game yesterday is that Blythe did it for the most part without their talisman Callum Roberts he went off after half an hour um, and, and they still got a, a fine result as I said a, a third game unbeaten for them it's six unbeaten for Chester now they're in second place they meet York City next weekend who are they just two points behind at the top of the table so potentially Chester could be going top next weekend if they can take York's unbeaten record from them that result as well for Blythe meant that they head out of the relegation zone with Bradford's defeat at Gloucester. Yes, they do. It's very tight at the bottom now, actually. there's, um, I think there's three teams on nine points uh, and Kettering have dropped to, to last place on eight as a result of, um, as I say, Bradford could have climbed out yesterday but lost 1-0 at Gloucester. Uh, a Joe Hanks goal in the 50th minute, enough to, to win that game. Um, and, yeah, what... what one point was looking as if it was almost a, a two-horse race for the for the two relegation places. Is is now all of a sudden four? Kurz and Ashton having started the season terrifically well, with four unbeaten, two wins and two draws, have now only picked up one point in all the games they've played since that point, and, and, and have, have dropped quite dramatically. So, I think Mark Bradshaw will be looking to try and turn that round fairly soon. Also, probably just worth me mentioning on the front with Kettering Town, uh, we had John Dunham on the show uh, just a few weeks ago, and he's uh, suggesting there's some noises on Twitter out of Kettering Town that there's going to be a managerial appointment there soon. Um, wouldn't be drawn on, on who it was, but but I think we could probably envisage that somebody's going to be taking that hot seat fairly soon. They need to, don't they now, be, now that they've dropped to the bottom of the table, they, they need to do, take some action and fast, I think, especially if you're Kettering fan? Yes, they do. I mean, I know in, in terms of the, the caretaker manager who's come in, Stephen Kinneborough, you know, it's difficult. He's inherited a difficult situation there, but they've not had any immediate bounce in terms of results under him either. Um, whoever come in, comes in there has, has, has got a difficult job on their hands. Um, as I say, from I think they got their, their two wins really early on in the season, and, and since then, it's been uh, a pretty dismal showing from them. So, yeah, whoever takes over has got their work cut out. And fi the final game uh, was a game that you saw. Telford four guys they wanted, and a good day for Aaron Williams. Yes, absolutely. I've, I've left this one to the end, obviously, because I don't want to, to overdo my Telford connection. But, uh, yeah, they beat Gosley 4-1 yesterday. Uh, a hat-trick for Aaron Williams. 
Um, I actually made the mistake of saying it was his first hat-trick for the club, which wasn't true because he actually played on loan for Telford in the 2012-13 season on loan from Walsall when he was much younger and scored a, a hat-trick that ended a game of a run of 30 games without a win for Telford in a 3-1 win at Ebbsfleet. So he's got a little place in Telford history anyway. Um, and then after a space of, of just 2,380 days, <laughs> uh, he's added a second hat-trick yesterday today put the books ahead on 21 minutes then uh, scored a penalty on 49 minutes Hamza Ben Sharif got a goal back for Guiseley on 64 minutes but then Matty Stenson on loan to Telford from Solihull straight to the other end within a minute made it 3-1 and I think that knocked the stuffing out of Guiseley to be honest Williams got his hat-trick goal in the 70th minute and that moves Telford up to 12th. So it's, it's a measure of how compressed that division is that there are only three points behind Guiseley now who are in sixth. Um, and Guiseley, yeah, they're just having a little bit of a, a sticky patch as well at the moment. Only one league win in their last six. But I think Marcus Bigner, he's got he's got a young team there. And I think that, that that's maybe something they'll have to sort of expect with them is that when things are going well with a young team, they go well. But when you know difficult results come along, that's maybe where a bit more experience in the side would help. So we'll have a quick look at the National League South as well, and there were some significant results certainly at the bottom. St Albans they dropped to the bottom after a one nil home defeat to Bath. A very surprising. Uh, start to the season for St Albans there. That win for Bath keeps them two points out of the playoffs, although they have played a game more than the teams above them. It finished Tombridge Angels 1, Chelmsford 2. They did take the lead through Carl De Costa, but then two really, really late goals there. Uh, we thought we had late goals in the National League last week. Chris, Wait- Chris Weltdale and Sean Jeffers scored in the 92nd and 94th minute to give the side from Essex all three points. And that meant Tunbridge are only a point clear of the relegation zone, but one team who were bottom last week and are now pulled out of the relegation zone are uh, Ian Herring's Hungerford Town. They got a brilliant 2-0 win at Concord Rangers and uh, he'll be delighted with that, I'm sure. So very tight at the bottom. Tombridge and Hungerford on 11 points, Oxford City and St Albans on 10. Concord remain mid-table and Chelmsford, they are now up to 11th place. Four points off the playoffs. Well, Rob, thanks for joining us. Pleasure as always. And thank you, Phil, as well, for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure. And uh, let's, let, let's see if we can uh, book him again for the next round. Great one. What a rollercoaster the FA Cup. Phil, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you once again for putting your pearls of FA Cup wisdom upon us. And uh, as Rob said, we'll try and get you back on after the first round. Well, thanks, guys. I've enjoyed myself today, so it's always good to chat FA Cup football with everyone, and uh, hopefully there'll be a lot more occasions like this. And Dickie, thanks again for uh, putting your pearls of wisdom upon us as well. You're very welcome. Uh, my pearls aren't the same size as Phil's. I think that's fair, fair to say, but no, it's been great to have you on board, Phil. Well, thank you. I've enjoyed myself. Yeah, your pills aren't quite as sparkly, are they, really, Dickie? No, no, I've not spent as long polishing them. <laughs> on that bombshell, thank you very much for joining us uh, on Twitter. We're at NLFullTime. Email us, NLFullTime at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe to us as well. Thank you very much for listening to us, and we'll see you all very soon.